You are listening to The Dish on Health IT, brought to you by Point of Care Partners, a leading health IT consultancy. Each episode will feature a rotating panel of senior consultants and guests who will talk about trends and innovations in health IT, while also highlighting how organizations can leverage these advances to solve their business problems. This episode focuses on fire APIs, HL7 fire accelerators, and the need to build the infrastructure to support the scalability of fire adoption. Our panelists, Senior Health Information Technology Consultants, Gary Austin, Jocelyn Keegan, and Ken Kleinberg, welcome guest Patrick Murda, Solution Architecture Fellow with Humana, and one of the Chief Architects on the ONC Fire at Scale Task Force, or FAST. Today's discussion covers how fire is transforming health data exchange and what HL7 fire accelerators are doing to expedite progress and fire adoption. Do you have a topic you'd like us to cover on a future podcast? Email us at podcast at POCP.com. Good day, everybody, and welcome to the ongoing adventures of The Dish on Health IT. I'm your host, Gary Austin, affectionately known as Lumpy, coming to you again from the beautiful Finger Lakes region of upstate New York. We at Point of Care Partners are health IT consultants with 100 plus associates in over 35 states. We work across all stakeholder groups, payers, healthcare delivery entities, pharma, health IT vendors, and government agencies. And we're viewed as an independent, trusted party, the Switzerland of consultancy. With me on the dish on health IT are my co-hosts, Jocelyn Keegan from Boston and Ken Kleinberg from the capital region of upstate New York. Our guest today is Patrick Murda, who has the lofty title of Chief Interoperability Architect and Solutions Architecture Fellow at Humana, one of the nation's leading payers and a clear technology leader amongst their peers. I personally have always had a dream to be a fellow, yet another dream of mine unfulfilled. Uh, In this episode, we'll talk about fire and fast, the first being a technology, the second an accelerator of that technology. Uh, I'd like to start off with Patrick giving us a little bit of his background. Patrick? Thank you, Gary, and I hope I can live up to that lofty title. So a little bit about Patrick. So I've been in healthcare IT for about 25 years at this point, going back to the original days of the HIPAA implementation in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, Worked quite a bit in case management, utilization management systems, claims, everything related to payers in the early days of my career. Uh, And over the last, uh, you know, 10 years, I have taken on, in addition to the you know, standard HIPAA interoperability with the classic transaction sets that we've all been doing for many, many years is focusing on contemporary interoperability with, you know, modern APIs and making sure that payers, Humana specifically, is able to connect uh, across the ecosystem for healthcare so that we're delivering data exactly when it's needed for the benefit of our providers and our members. Excellent. Very good. Thank you for that introduction. So, and welcome to The Dish. Uh, so let's start out with a couple of quick level setting questions for our audience. You know, many people listening will know a bit about interoperability. Some will know nothing. We get uh, uh, listeners like that too. So first, why, why are Fire APIs so different from legacy EDI transactions, the 270s, the 278s, all those sorts of things? And, and is this just an IT thing or is it a generational technology and business change? Yeah, those are two great questions. So uh, let's talk about the first. And the reason we're, many of us in you know healthcare IT are so, so excited about FHIR and its enablers. It is different than what we've done classically 
uh, from a classic perspective with more, or more, I guess, seasoned approaches to interoperability. So for many years, we've been doing administrative transactions, you know, claims, eligibility and benefits, referrals and authorizations using a very mature technology, you know, X12, running typically over a classic API model or a classic web service model called SOAP. Um, and those transactions do exactly what they were designed to do, right? They run lights out, in information is transferred from the submitting systems to payers and vice versa using uh, technology that's designed to do exactly what it's designed to do, administrative interoperability. The issue with that is given where we are from you know, in the year 2020, um, the demands for integration in workflow are different than they were 20 years ago, right? In the sense that uh, in today's world, it's not good enough just to exchange claims electronically. It's not good enough just to be able to do a referral or an authorization electronically. It, have to be, it has to be optimized. And what FIRE does, it allows us to integrate not only from an administrative perspective, but equally as importantly from a clinical perspective. So we're able to serve information up directly in workflow. So it's not just a backend system talking to a backend system, or it's not somebody logging into a web portal or using a fax machine or making a phone call. Contemporary fire technology or API technology allows us to get and put information in workflow exactly when it's needed. And I like to use analogies beyond healthcare um, from experiences that you may have, for example, in e-commerce, where you're doing shopping on an e-commerce site and it's three clicks, right? Color, size, buy, and two days later, it shows up. We're trying to get similar levels of integration in healthcare in which folks are able to stay in their native workflow using systems that they're accustomed to and do work that allows payers and uh, providers and members, of course, to share information in workflows that they're already in. What we're trying to avoid is folks jumping to web portals and out of band processes to do the work that they need. So that's the, that's the differentiator between what we do from a fire perspective and the classic transaction set. The classic transaction set again does exactly what it needs to do, but in today's world, we need to do more. And that's where we, we, we use these fire technologies to do it. Now, I love your second part of your question because we get that a lot. And it used to be, you know, two, three, four, five years ago, we would struggle to get folks to understand the answer. But given where we are, the response is typically much more acceptable, especially when we talk to business executives or folks on the business side of the world. And that thinking about fire and associated technologies as a technical solution only is selling yourself short, right? Because although I'm a technologist and the technology is really, really cool, that if the thing that excites me and all of my peers is the fact that it enables business functionality, right, and clinical functionality. So it's not just I've got to do this because it's a technical regulation or because, you know, my peers are doing this, so therefore I've got to be able to integrate with them. It enables business processes that you simply can't do using the previous generations of technology. I heard sort of two big things there. One is, in addition to B2B or business to business, it's sort of business to consumer, which EDI transactions really didn't have. And the second thing I sort of heard in that was, there's a lot of other things other than sort of legacy administrative transactions, right? Is that a fair Absolutely. sort of read? Yeah. yeah. And, and a really good example of that, Gary, is, you know, a lot of organizations, myself and mine included, are looking to achieve integrated care delivery, Right where we've got the right data in the right workflow with the right uh, clinician at the right time. 
And this type of technology enables that because it allows us to put information exactly where it's needed. It allows us to do in-flight analytics. It allows us to run clinical interoperability at scale, right? Because we're all using a standards-based approach. So if I build it once, then anybody that wants to interop with me can do it. They don't have to know what my backend systems look like. They simply need to know that I support the fire standard. And the same is true for all the other actor, actors in the ecosystem, right? And you know, the cool thing about it, Gary, is that when we explain these enablers to business folks, it becomes much less of a, you know, a, a discussion about why we should do it. And it quickly pivots to how quickly can you do it? Because I see and recognize the business value of what, what's happening here. Very good. Excellent. Very good overview. I appreciate that. Well, well done. That's about as good as I've heard in, uh, in all our different sessions. So now we, now we, we have this uh, relatively new construct in the industry, this thing called a, a fire API accelerator. Okay. A new, new group out there. And point of care partners is the program manager for the Da Vinci fire accelerator. And we have representation on Karen, the consumer facing accelerator and gravity, the SDOH or social determinants of health accelerator. How, how are these accelerators to, to use a term accelerate? It, the adoption of fire APIs? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Again, and you know, I, uh, I like to call this kind of the inflection point when it, we talk about interoperability. The first thing is we have a technology, fire, um, that we as an industry have agreed is the solution for our interoperability issues that have historically have, you know, been a hindrance to us. The second is that we've got a, a cross industry agreement and uh, a, a willingness to work together to move this forward, right? Which is uh, somewhat novel when it comes to healthcare in general. The, those relationships of cooperation um, have, haven't always been there, but they're, they're really good at this point. And the fact that accelerators bring those together, right? In the sense that as a group, as an industry, we can use an accelerator to focus on one domain. For example, in DaVinci, we focus on value-based care and the use cases associated with that. With Argonaut, it's core data services. With gravity, it's social determinants of health. So we isolate use cases that we all know that we need to, to uh, focus on. We get subject matter experts there that understand the operations, the business side components, and the technology. And when you put those together, the combination is such that you can achieve uh, much more, much faster than if you were just doing it ad hoc across the industry. Yeah, very good. So it sounds like you're a fan of these accelerators, yes? Oh, I'm a huge fan of these accelerators. Got it. Good. Now, so on top of the Fire API accelerators, there's a, let's call it an accelerator of accelerators, right? FAST, or the uh, Fire at Scale Task Force. So give us a little bit of overview on that and sort of where that came from and, and why it's needed. And then, Jocelyn, I'll ask you to sort of weigh in with, because you've been doing some work with them in your role as program manager for DaVinci, uh, and talk a little bit about that also. So, Patrick, why don't you start sort of background on that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I recall um, when we first started with DaVinci, I was in a meeting at DaVinci, I believe it was in DC, literally walked across the street into a FAST meeting. So <laughs> that was the genesis of these two initiatives. Although they started roughly at the same time, they focus on different things. So let me talk about FAST. And I like your analogy there, Gary, in the sense that it's an accelerator of accelerators. And the reason FAST exists is that as we were developing what, what I call the functional consortiums, you know, the Da Vinci's, the Argonauts, the Cairns, the Gravity, a few others, those groups focus on functionality. You know, what use cases do we need to develop to make sure that providers um, have less abrasions, payers have the information that they need to process it, 
and members are able to benefit from both. So it focuses on specific things, prior authorization, cost, cost transparency, data exchange for quality measures. I can, I've only got 10 fingers here. I can go on and on, but you get the point. FAST is different because FAST focuses on uh, the infrastructure capabilities that we need as a nation to run those functional use cases at scale. And that's the differentiator, right? We focus on the functional side, and then we have the infrastructure side. And let me give you just a, a few examples to, to the folks to, uh, to understand the difference between the two. Whereas on the functional side, we focus on the things I just mentioned. On the fast side, we focus on things such as identity management, security, dynamic directory. You know, how do you find an endpoint in real time? What information do you need to put in the exchange headers to make sure that the transaction can go through an intermediary and get to the appropriate endpoint. So from a fast perspective, we don't focus on you know, what the functional use cases are. We focus on making sure the infrastructure is there to run those functional use cases at scale. And I'm gonna give you an analogy that I've been using for many, many years and that I personally like, um, is the sense that if we think of a, you know, an interstate system or a, road, a roadway, the Da Vinci's, the Argonauts, the Cairns, the Gravities, they provide the cars, trucks, the buses and the vans, right? The vehicles that need to get around the city or the state, whatever, whatever you want to use. Fast on the other side is concerned with making sure that we have the bridges, we have the stoplights, we have the stop signs, we have the off ramps so that those transactions don't have to build those individually or those uh, initiatives don't have to build those in individually. We can uh, basically come up with a shared set of core capabilities that all the functional use cases can run again. To give a little bit of history of how FAST operates, you know, FAST is a, a public-private um, group. We were convened by uh, the ONC, Dr. Rucker, a couple of years ago for the sole purpose of making sure that we would identify any barriers to scalability of fire and create the appropriate tiger teams to get out of the gate to start coming up with solution frameworks uh, to address those problems. And that's what, that, that's what FAST is all about. So I think that that's a great description, and, and I've been fortunate to be able to work with Patrick on both fronts. As you mentioned, our team gets to support the FAST team, uh, really helping to bring all the content that's coming out of FAST to the masses, and I think that's incredibly important. But I think that one of the important distinction he, distinctions here when we think about how FAST and DaVinci interoperate is really this idea that we're able to, uh, and I think one of the powers of being able to use FIRE is this ability to be able to leverage this really great toolkit, right, that we get out of FIRE as a standard, and to be able to focus in a very small way, in contrast to how Patrick described the you know, sort of more traditional EDI transaction sets we use, on a specific business problem that we're actually trying to solve with the FIRE API that we're building, and that because FAST exists, it means that we literally can just not have to worry about all of those items. Anytime that conversation comes up, sort of those deliberations come up in conversation, it gets pitched up to the folks on the um, FAST teams to be able to work on. There's a tremendous amount of overlap between the FAST Tiger team members and the folks that work on DaVinci on a day-to-day -day basis. But I think one of the powerful things is, is that actually many of the folks that are fire SMEs or industry experts that maybe our staff are getting paid to work on DaVinci projects, our leads on the Tiger team side, um, really helping to solve these big, nasty problems ahead of implementation. So the initial implementations that are happening uh, in the DaVinci community today really are targeted towards point-to-point -point type of traditional connections. But everyone that's building, you know, Humana included, is really saying, how am I going to be able to reuse and be able to leverage this API over and over again with all of my business partners 
we're not answering those questions now, but we're looking at and we're, we're the, the, the implementers are evaluating how and where they're going to be able to take advantage out of the recommendations and the tools that are coming out of the FAST community. So that symbiosis, I think, has been really important, um, but it's also been freeing for the accelerators to not get mired down in these really big, you know, domain level problems that we need to solve as an industry. Um, so it allows us to put a pin on it and for the Tiger team to continue to make um, progress. Um, I think that out of both of those audiences, one of the other benefits we get is that continued sort of evangelism and thought leadership and the platform to make sure that folks are aware and are clearly understanding what cars are being built and how they're gonna be able to really work in the real world and start actually going into production uh, you know, in the days, weeks, months ahead while we, where we're tackling, you know, really how are we wiring the industry for fire in a way that we did 30 and 40 years ago for EDIAC. Yeah, that's interesting. Having uh, just driven cross country a few weeks ago, I have a great appreciation for what the Eisenhower interstate system did. Uh, you know, years back, I drove cross country on Route 66 and it was week and a half maybe or something like that. And, you know, here it was four days to drive cross country. So, Great appreciation for both the highway and the improvement in vehicles along the way. So aside from point of care as a consultancy, you're one of the few key experts engaged in multiple accelerators, at least from my interaction with them. You're on DaVinci and FAST and Humana as a group has interactions with other accelerators. How do you balance the detail of specifications and implementation guides with the, the galactic vision of accelerating the entire industry. That's, that's a pretty daunting chasm to, to bridge across there. How do you go about doing that, Patrick? Yeah, uh, great question. And I think, you know, the goal that we all have in healthcare of, of uh, using this interoperability to achieve integrated care delivery is kind of our guiding light or a North Star. So it's actually remarkably easy, I think, to separate the different parts of the technology stack or the the portfolio of what we're dealing with. You know, for example, with DaVinci, I get to use my, you know, my use case mentality of, you know, my experience with prior authorization, utilization management, the ability to, to solve abrasions for providers. So that, that part of the brain can kick in and not worry about infrastructure. It worries about how would a provider or a clinician or a member interact with this data, right? Where do they need it in the workflow? What information do they need, right? And I can count on my, you know, experts inside of the organization and also experts, you know, from across the spectrum of DaVinci to help frame up those use cases. And it doesn't have to get to the gory technical details of what the API looks like. It's basically, first of all, worrying what use case do we need to focus on, right? What folks do we need to get into a virtual session to determine what that use case is? And then some of us take that and drop it one layer down into how does that fit on top of fire? Do we have the appropriate you know, APIs and data models already set up? Is there something we need to do? But it's very, very focused on solving something for a stakeholder in healthcare. And then when I put my fast head on, it's a completely different level of architecture. It's more, okay, what do these transactions look like flowing through the, uh, you know, basically the techno technical layers, right? From an API um, all the way through a transaction, a bunch of packets running across the internet, uh, maybe going through an intermediary, uh, resolving identity, you know, what identities are we going to use? The world is changing. How do we recognize that patient X in an EHR system is, is the same as member Y in, in a payer system? Um, so it's much more focused on those core capabilities. So from my perspective, it's actually quite exciting 
to see it from that broader as a spectrum as a you know as a human associate seeing it from my company's organization uh, from a da vinci coordinating committee member and active participant seeing it from all of my peers across the industry and we all you know it's amazing how much we share in common and then also seeing it from how does the technical infrastructure make all of this or tie all this together so it's actually gary not as difficult um, it certainly is a big task i don't want to uh, you know, in any way, shape, or form, diminish what we're trying to do. Uh, but I think the excitement level and the fact that we're focusing on different things in different consortiums, nice, clean separation makes it easier. Got it. Got it. Very good. So that's sort of the spatial dimension. Uh, Jocelyn, give us a little bit about the temporal dimension. So what happens in 2020 with respect to these accelerators? Where do you see 2021 going? I think it's a really interesting question. So, you know, we we started really early compared to some of the more recently added accelerators. So we've been at this, Patrick and I, for about two and a half years. And I don't want it to go unnoticed how important it is, especially in the time that we're in right now with organizations like Patrick and our provider members and our vendor community really sort of being pulled away to deal with, you know, this amazing pandemic that we're all experiencing with COVID-19. What I think is remarkable uh, on two fronts is really this idea that, you know, the current pandemic is really, I think, sort of splaying open why all of these workflows are critically important and how we're going to need to move forward as an industry. And I I think that what we've been able to see is that there's these um, advancing thought leaders. You know, there's dozens of people that participate on these use case calls and these Tiger team calls for FAST that are amazing subject matter experts that know these workflows in and out. And then there's folks like myself that are involved that understand the workflows, you know, we're covering product management hat on, understand how to move things forward and progress us. And I think we were really concerned back in March about whether or not we were going to be derailed and slowed down, but we've seen really this almost separation um, sort of across the membership in the community with people really rolling up their sleeves, protecting the resources and time to start real world implementations in 2020. Um, and that we really are excited as we move into 21 and we've had the first set of rules drop from ONC and from CMS, both respectively, calling out the use of fire and really DaVinci having implementation guides to be able to meet the payers and the providers with the and the vendor community with the tools that they'll need to really be able to expose that information. So I, I, I see us sort of on a precipice, you know, as we think about where we're headed in this year, I see us shifting um, as we've gotten better and know how to build implementation guides and to work and be really, um, I think, advanced users of sort of the HL7 process and the community and consensus building that happens there and the efficiencies we're gaining, gaining there. And I see us looking really at this now, you know, a mass of people coming towards us as fire has now been named into reg. And we, we move forward in implementing to a community that really probably two years ago had no idea what fire was. So how do we pivot as organizations, both on the fast front and on the DaVinci front, front in HL7 as an organization to really support sort of these newcomers and allow them to catch up and to take advantage of all the learnings and experiences that we've had over the last couple of years. This is definitely, you know, there's funding involved that gets the work done, but this is at its heart a human powered effort that we're working on and our ability to tap into organizations like Humana and have individuals like Patrick, you know, spending large portions of their time in their their personal life <laughs> actually um, contributing to these these initiatives um, is amazing. I mean, it really is the inflection point comment we all make frequently. You know, it is a rare opportunity where you watch people that are fierce competitors in the market get together, roll up their sleeves, and solve the really hard problems. 
and have the really difficult conversations and come to conclusions and make recommendations to the industry to be able to move forward and build real specs that people can pick up and use for real world solutions. It's um, This is actually the fun stuff. So um, in spite of the world that we're living in right now, I'm really excited that we exit 2020 with some really good production implementations of our DaVinci IGs. We start to see real recommendations coming out of um, concrete, you know, tools um, that we can leverage coming out of the fast community, and 2021 really being about us hitting our stride and and really just continuing to fine tune and support, you know, this wave of people coming towards us that need to implement. I want to pivot a little bit and and talk uh, one of the big ticket items, sort of problems plaguing the industry is identification at the human level, right? We don't have a universal identifier for, for uh, patients, members, consumers, whatever your terminology may be. Uh, Ken, you've been doing a lot of work on Tefka lately. Give us a, a little bit of an overview on that and how you envision Tefka and FAST working together. So how do I take the intricacies of Tefka patient identification and move that at scale, deliver that at scale? Well, Gary, you're right to say that unique identification of patients and, and therefore their medical records, wherever they may be, is an ongoing challenge in healthcare. Much of the access to patient data today uh, occurs at a local or regional level, uh, but we're a mobile and increasingly uh, more mobile society. You know, people move around. Uh, they change or they visit many doctors and hospitals, which course, could be using many different types of electronic health record systems. They visit and vacation and live in different states. And uh, over their lives, they're part of many different health plans. So interoperability between two entities that have this uh, direct, uh, you know, one-on-one connection, that's one thing. Interoperability between many entities where it's not clear which entities have the data you're looking for, you know, that's a far greater challenge. Now, Health information exchanges or HIEs, you know, they sprung up over the last decade to address this regionality of information, uh, and there are one or more of them operating in in any major region or or in the states. But the next larger challenge is to connect those uh, regional networks together at a more national level. So you mentioned TEFCA, that's the Trusted Exchange Framework and Common Agreement, is the latest federal government's attempt to create that network of networks. It's voluntary and it's still in the development phase. It's also based on some older proven, albeit heavily engineered, interoperability technology to assist in the record location and that required scalability. Now, TEFCA is being designed to address three modes of communication, really. Uh, A message push Uh, where you're trying to push information out to someone, you you know who needs it. Uh, But there's also a targeted query, and there's a broadcast query for the information retrieval. Now, FHIR is a newer approach to information exchange, and it's heavily uh, used in the new ONC and CMS final rules. So it's perhaps surprising that it's not present in the first version of TEFCA, with designers basically pointing to the scalability challenges. So that being said, it's likely that FHIR will be included in future versions of, of TEFCA. And frankly, the experience that the industry is gaining with fire scalability now and fast, as Patrick was speaking to, uh, is going to be factored into that uh, extended timeline. Excellent. Very good. And Patrick, anything that you'd like to weigh in on here with respect to TEFCA? 
I think Ken described it very, very well in the sense that, you know, as we were, uh, you've got two initiatives, one to Ken's point, mostly focusing on odor level or odor generation of technology versus a contemporary fire model. So as those two initiatives have, you know, been basically running in tandem, they're starting to come together. Some additional discussions over the last six or eight weeks with some of our SME sessions, a subject matter expert sessions from a fast perspective have started focusing on those. Transparently, the integration with TEF has been a concern of mine, um, and I think several of my peers, just because of the difference in approaches and technology. But now that there's, we're starting to have more open, transparent discussions, it's starting to move forward. But to Ken's point, it's certainly going to require some additional discussions and uh, processes to bring those, those, uh, those different paradigms together. Very good, very good. Patrick, big challenges? And we say big challenges to the accelerators in general. Is that correct? Or the accelerator approach, Gary? Correct. Yeah. And and I think, you know, Jocelyn did a a great job of describing it. I think for many of us, there has been a little bit of a shift because as the initial group of accelerators got off the ground, you know, Da Vinci, uh, Argonaut, some of the early leaders there, is that they initially were maybe technically driven, the sense that from a technical perspective, we recognized that there was a, a certainly an opportunity to uh, remove abrasions and basically promote a standards-based approach to exchanging information. We've also done a good job of evangelizing that, you know, to the question you had earlier, Gary, about how do you get business folks involved, that it's not just a technical solution. This is absolutely critical when it comes to value-based care and other types of focus areas. And um, I've been actually been encouraged that we went from a technology-driven model, at least to a certain extent, to more of a business-driven model. So some of the more recent accelerators that, that Humana has joined, we have, I don't know if it's motivated or encouraged business to take lead on it, right? And they engage and we engage and they come to us as needed, right? But allowing the business and technology to co-manage the approaches as opposed to the technology folks doing it and then going back to the business to say, hey, we've got another enabler for you. So. I'm not sure that's really a a, uh, a big challenge anymore. I think initially it was until we could get the message evangelized throughout our organizations, but I think most of us have been pretty successful at that. I do sometimes worry as we get additional accelerators that we may have saturation, right? We've got things focused. We've got really four or five big ones at this point, and there are probably other opportunities, other opportunity areas. So it's been a fairly clean model so far. But I think we do have to keep an eye on the fact that there are a finite number of resources as it relates to uh, being able to engage with accelerators, all doing great work. But we want to make sure that we don't go so far wide that we can't make any uh, forward momentum. Got it. Great, great session today, folks. Really well done. A lot of great content there, and I I appreciate that. Patrick, leave us with one uh, fellow level thought. What would you, you know, a word or a phrase, what would you tell an executive business leader uh, in a payer or in an IDN who's maybe not behind this interoperability transition? You know, they're still, ah, I don't know if this is real or it's just an IT thing or whatever else. But what would you tell them just point blank? I'll tell them point blank that um, they should look at where the industry is going. Uh, and Jocelyn mentioned this a second ago. This is no longer just talk, right? These Fire Specs and DaVinci in particular have found themselves either into regulation or 
you know, the, the landing page, which talks about those regulations. So if I'm having a conversation with a business person and I don't have to uh, internally, we've done a really good job of evangelizing this. But if I was talking to somebody externally, I would say that you owe it to yourself. You owe it to your customers. You owe it to your patients and your providers to look at this, because if you're not recognizing the value of this technology, then you're not realizing the value or you're not fully realizing or optimizing your processes and you're not achieving the level of, you know, integrated care that you can with this technology. Got it. Very, very good. Jocelyn, play us out here. Challenge the payers and IDNs to engage with the various accelerators like DaVinci and, and get moving on this cha- changeover. I think Patrick, as always, did a great job of describing sort of what the value propositions are and really the enablers that we get out of people shifting towards fire. And I think that the one thing that I would call out as we sort of um, close out today is I think if we think about what's happening, not just as a new technology wave, but really about business transformation and how we move to really for real becoming service services oriented the words and sort of the descriptions that Patrick um, is giving you about what Humana has been able to accomplish and what we're trying to do at DaVinci and within FAST, I said, um, becomes more readily um, apparent how powerful it really is. Because this is really about how do you fundamentally change the type of relationship that you have with your provider and payer partners? How are you sitting down and talking to each other about how you do business today and how you need to be doing business going forward? really keeping that member at the center and how you make that information available to the provider, to the payer, to the caregiver, to the caregiver's team, to the care coordinator, to make sure the right information is available at the right time. This reusability component around fire is important. And I think the one thing that I would drive home that I think is often sort of lost, I think, in the shuffle is the power of what we're doing with the accelerators is taking this incredibly powerful tool set of fire and we're writing those just fit for purpose standard-based API so people aren't writing you know, from scratch at home so that you get that ability to be able to reuse very quickly, not perfectly, so that really it, it isn't a question of what's the limited set of things you're going to get done in 2020 or 2021. It's how do you queue it up and how do you spin up teams like Patrick's describing to be able to solve those real-world business challenges with these bite-sized access points to be able to get and free data for where real end users can use it to actually improve patient outcomes and to create the efficiencies you need in your business. Um, everything that we're building in the fire community is available for anyone to pick up and use. There's, um, we are, I use the phrase community a lot. We're building a community and come in the water's warm. Very good, very good. Uh, lumpy, lumpy loves community. That's what it's all about, right? <laughs> it is really so, amazing. Yeah. Well, that's our time for this edition of the Dish on Health IT. Uh, many thanks to my co-host Jocelyn Keegan and Ken Kleinberg, and some serious applause to our uh, our guest Patrick Murta from Humana. Uh, great job, Patrick. I much appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. We'll be back in a bit with the next edition. Uh, please subscribe at whatever podcast carrier you use, Apple, Google, or whatnot. If you have any speaker thoughts or if you have any comments or suggestions on this podcast, please email us at podcast at pocp.com. Goodbye for now. And remember, health IT is a dish best served hot. Good day, everyone.